Good morning. I want to read something to you this morning out of Isaiah chapter 59, verse 21. We just sang a song called Reckless Love. Now, let me tell you this. I've heard some, when this song came out a couple years ago, whenever it was, there, it doesn't matter how perfect or good something is. There's always, especially when it's online, there's always somebody that's going to come against it, right? Have, have an opinion about it or tear it down. And, and, and I remember reading some of these, this commentary that people would write about this song. Well, God's not a God of recklessness and, you know, his reckless life. This, this song is theologically not correct. Excuse me. Because it takes, let, let me tell you something. We, and George just hit on, Pastor George just hit on it. Listen. In today's message, this ties perfectly into today's message because it is a reckless love. It's a love that's willing to risk everything for you. That's reckless. Okay, so don't give me, listen, I just bind every religious spirit up in this place this morning. And Lord, I release your love and your spirit, Holy Spirit, just to speak to us this morning and have your way this morning. In this church, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read you something. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 21. And this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. And I ain't even started my message yet. Okay, this is just bonus. And this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit will not leave them, and neither will the words I have given you. They will be on your lips and on the lips of your children and your children's children forever. I, the Lord, have spoken. Oh, that deserves more than just a couple of amens. Let me tell you something. This is one of those scriptures that I take and, and I have it highlighted in my Bible. And uh, I, I, I have it written down in multiple places where I don't forget it. It's something that I pray over my family and over my children. And I'm going to share with you something that happened to me this week. See, I had a, bu a really busy, stressful week, as, as, as most of you guys could probably say that you had one too. And I'm just, you know, I've shared every week just about where we're at and opening the salon for my wife and this business and, and then uh, working a full-time job and pastoring full-time. And, and, and it can get stressful and it can get busy. And I had a, I reached my limit. I, I have a really high limit. I, I can tell you, I have a really high limit. And I think Pastor George would, would tell you that because he, he, he knows when I reach my limit because he gets to see me every day, right? And so, uh, but he hasn't seen me reach my limit but, uh, uh, too often, but this week I hit my limit. And I don't even know what that really means other than I know when it's my limit. And I reached my limit and, and, and when, and I know I reached my limit when I stop, when I start letting people down. Because I'm so spread out in, in all of the commitments that I have and things start falling through the cracks and, and I, I let people down. I, 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 I didn't follow through on what I said and it's just simply not because I wanted to. It's just simply because this ball's going to fall over here and this one's coming down over here and I'm going back and forth. And, and I know I've reached my limit and I was just stressed out. And, uh, and, and how many know that when you get stressed out and there's a lot of negative emotions that come up with that? Or am I the only one? Come on, church. I'm going to preach this morning. Let me, I'm just going to give you a fair warning. I'm going to preach this morning. Kelsey, is that okay? I'm going to preach this morning. Okay. So let me tell you, there's a lot of negative emotions that come out, and I'm no exception. There was some, I, I just, I just, I didn't leave the house that day. I reached, it was midweek. Uh, just things were, and I, I worked from home, and, and uh, man, here it was, <laughs> here it was the, the middle of the afternoon, and I'm still in my pajamas. Come on, somebody. And it wasn't because I wasn't working. 
It was because I got up and I started working and I didn't take a break. I didn't even eat. Right. And I just I said, that's it. I'm overwhelmed. I'm, I'm just I'm just and, and I just remember thinking like something's got to give like like and just being down like just and then I started seeing all the negative. Right. I started thinking, oh, this is happening. This is happening. Lord, where are you? Are you showing up and and just having that that moment. Right. Can anybody relate? And, and I and I'm sitting there and, and, and uh, just finished the day and, and that night. Uh, before going to bed, I was just uh, just sitting on my couch and just thinking, man, what a day. Uh, Melissa had already gone to bed, and I'm sitting there, and, and I get a phone call from my from my son. And I had just seen him uh, earlier in the week in San Diego, and Melissa and I went down there. Uh, she had a conference to go to, and I thought, well, we'll just go down there. And we sell the 10, 10 years anniversary this week. Come on, somebody. Uh, so, yeah. Um, and so, anyway, so I got to visit my son uh you know he's in class but in between classes we go to lunch and dinner and that sort of thing and um and that was really the reason for this stress because i came back and took two days off at the beginning of the week and the work doesn't stop right it just keeps piling up and so when you come back it's like man i shouldn't have taken those two days because now it's like i'm cramming five days work into three and anyway so i just had enough and so i'm sitting there my son calls me and he's like dad i gotta tell you what happened to Today I met with this, and he, 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 anyways, long story short, he's got this mentor in his life that he's met. He's been down there a month, and this guy does campus ministry and um, uh, works with athletes from several colleges and, and through this campus ministry, and he, he identified my son. I don't, actually, my son was playing basketball, pickup basketball with some, some guys, and this, he was actually playing, and he came up and he afterwards and introduced himself and Cam, and he just hit it off. He's 27 28 years old and married and young guy and, and uh, anyways he just really took a, uh, to my son and, and anyways he, he so my camera was calling me the other night and he just said dad I just I've been thinking about you all day I met with so-and-so today and, and, and he said something to me and, and it made me think of you he said you know uh, Cameron you're you're unusual I see something on your life I see you're a freshman but you don't have the freshman attitude like like you, you you have direction you, you you love people you like talking to people you, you you go outside of your comfort zone to meet people and say hello and and you don't you, there's a maturity about you and he said this he goes i bet you have a dad in your life a good dad and a great relationship with your father and and, and, and or or at least you've had some men that have had taught you some things growing up and cameron's like well as a matter of fact yeah you know and he just started telling this this guy about his relationship with me and, and, and he's like hey you know my, my even though my parents were divorced uh when i was really young uh, uh, my dad raised me in church and in the times i spent with him he taught me about god and he started uh, just just telling uh this this guy about everything that i had poured in and he, and he was like dad I, I it was just one of those moments where it, it just got me thinking about everything that you've done for me and so it was at the end of this, this stressed out day that I'm listening. I got tears coming down my face and my heart was just like so overjoyed that on the day where I had reached my limit, I get a call from, from my son. And most days I feel like I'm not a good dad or that I'm not the dad that I should be. 
right? The, most days I'm analyzing who I am a, a, as a father, and, and man, if I'd have just done this a little better, if I just, man, I could have given them that, or I could have, you know, poured into my sons and my daughters here, and, and, and should have done this better, or should have said this, or, or, or even been, uh, m- maybe read this scripture to them, or, or, or prayed for them this way. And he said, he, he just, he said, Dad, thank you. And he said, and he began to tell me about his day. And he said, I met with him. And then I went to two or three, because I went to a small group. And uh, come on, somebody say amen for small groups, right? I went to this small group. And he's like, Dad, there were people there in need. And, and I just felt the Holy Spirit compel me to pray for, I pray for three people. I pray for three people just, and he's like, and it was, and it was crazy because you taught me how to pray. You taught me how to pray for people. And, and my heart's just overjoyed. And he's like, and then, and then we went to chapel and, and, and went to the chapel service. And after chapel, there was just this time of, of, of altar ministry and, and the music's playing and, and, and the, altar, uh, the, the, the ministry team, the uh, worship team's up there just playing and just a time of ministry. And the, the, God highlighted this, this, this guy sitting by himself next to me. And I went over to him and I said, hey, man, you need prayer for something. And I pray for him, Dad, because you taught me how to pray for people. See, I don't even remember really saying, Cameron, this is how you pray for people. I don't really remember teaching. I just know that I had him in church, that he saw me pray for people, right? That, that I prayed for him, that I prayed this prayer over my family. That what, the, what this scripture says right here, this is all bonus stuff, guys. I didn't even open the Bible to my message yet. Some of you said, oh, no, is right. But I see we got a time. There's a timer back there. And uh, so you're good. You're good. <laughs> Isaac's shaking his head no. Listen, I'm here to encourage you this morning. This isn't about so I could tell you what a great dad I am. I want to encourage you that your children, they, they, they see everything, right? And most of the time they're not going, unless they're really just having a day and they want to get back at you. They're not going to remember the times where you fail them. They're going to remember the times that you showed them, where you were authentic with them, where you taught them how to pray, where you went to the scriptures and said, son, I know what's hard right now. Daughter, I know it's hard right now, but here's what the word of God says. And you were going to make a choice as a family. I don't always get it right as a family, as a father. But here's the deal. We're going to believe God. We're going to trust him. We're going to trust him. And even when it doesn't make sense, we're going to trust him. So I'm here to encourage you this morning as, as mamas and papas and grandfathers and grandmothers, and even if you don't have kids, begin to pray scriptures. Take this scripture that I just shared with you. Take it as your own. And if your kids are old enough and, and, and you say they're not even serving God, well, this is a promise. You can pray this prayer, this promise over your children. And God says, he says, this is my covenant with you that my spirit will not leave them. And neither will these words I have given you. My word will not leave them. They will be on your lips and on the lips of your children. And guess what? He didn't stop there. He said, and their children. Generational. Generational. God is a God of generations. Hallelujah. So when you talk about reckless love, let me tell you, reckless love. I serve a God that is reckless about his love for me. Can I get an amen this morning? Hallelujah. Jesus. Now we get to start the message. The name of the message this morning is five five up high, five down low. It'll be up on the screen here in a second. How many know that? Five up high, five down low. Oops, too slow. No, I didn't add that part. 
Uh, five up high, five down low. My wife told me to add that, and I said, nope, not going to do it. Not going to do it. Man, this is really wobbly. Hold up. Mm-hmm. It's probably the floor. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Actually. Amen. Mark chapter 2. Oh, well, before that, we'll go into that. I'm going to just tell you a few things. You'll hear us say uh, a lot around here. Um, th- there's four things we say that we, why we do church, why we do what we do. Know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. We'll say it all the time until it's in your spirit and you believe it and know it. And it's what we believe. This morning, I want to talk. This, this message is really wrapped around making a difference. The fourth and those four things. Making a difference, and, and, and it really qualifies in that category of making a difference. This means that you've discovered a little more about yourself, your passions. You've gotten some direction from the Lord. You feel called to serve in an area, and you're in community. It could be a hub group, a hub group and, and I hope that it is. And really, this message this morning is about community and relationship. And we do that around here by being in a hub group. You know, be, that, that's where it starts. That's where, see, hub group is where you get to know somebody. Hub group is where you, you, you're you going to get to see uh, who they are and get to interact with them a little bit. And then you're going to, uh, what usually happens for me is all of the, all of the, uh, what's the word? All of the judgments or the, uh, the, that's <laughs> not judgments, uh, Yeah, preconceived ideas about somebody kind of just go away because I really find out who you are and you find out who I am. And then we get to decide that we're going to go a little deeper uh, in our relationship. And, and then we get together outside of hub group and, and church and, and we do life together and, and uh, we find things in common and, and relationships are born and built and strengthened that way. You are not made to do it alone. Turn to your neighbor and say... Don't be a loner. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I'm not a loner, dude. Mike, you're not a loner, dude. There's nobody sitting next to you. Okay, you're not a loner, bro. God designed us for community and for relationship. Listen, everything that God has given me and you, everything that God has given me and you or granted me or blessed me with is accessed through relationship. Everything is accessed through relationship. So I have a question for you this morning. It's going to be up here on the slide. Who is in your circle? Who's in your circle? Well, I don't have a circle. Hmm. Clue number one. Who is in your circle? Who do you surround yourself with? Who are your homegirls and homeboys that you talk to and text with and and communicate with? Some of y'all are saying, Pastor Scott, you're too old to be using that slang term, homegirls and homeboys. I beg to differ. If it was a life and death decision, who would you call to your house for wisdom and advice? Listen to me. When the you-know-what hits the fan, who are, who are, who's those people that you call? Who are your people? Who do you call? 
Or do you just circle the wagons, hunker down, and don't tell anybody? And then we have to find out later that you've been going through something for a week and didn't share it. Come on, somebody. Man, y'all are quiet this morning. That's all right. I'm still going to preach. I'm preaching to myself. If you say, Pastor, I don't have anybody, then I say, we have this little thing called hub group. Find one. Get in one. And if you don't have one that fits your schedule, start one. Start one. Get somebody and get, get at least one other person to come meet with you. And then get another one. And when you get one, you're going to get two. And when you get two, you're going to get four. Start one. And we, we have this thing called um, free market. So you can, you can do a hub around any activity. Well, not any activity. You, <laughs> let me just clarify that. You can do a hub group just around just about any activity, okay? You like, man, I could get myself in trouble. Go to a hub group. Start one. And then pray. Ask God to bring them to you. If you don't have, if you don't have a circle, ask God to, to bring you some folks that can be in your circle. And then look for them. And then introduce yourself to some people. Some of you guys don't have a circle just because you're just not friendly enough to go up and say, hey, and be vulnerable and introduce yourself. Come on, I will, Pastor Tony. Thank you. Yes, sir. Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. Y'all don't mind if I read from the Bible this morning, do you? Who's laughing at my Bible? It's a big Bible. It's got big letters so I could see. I have to put my glasses on. Chapter 2, verse 1. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was home, that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, so they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Who is in your circle? See, there were five of them and they had heard that Jesus was back in town. This was fairly early on, according to the Gospel of Mark, in Jesus' ministry. But he had been going from village to village, city to city, and healing folks. And the word got out, and he came back home. And the word was out that Jesus was back home. And, and, and so the crowd began to... The, the, they began to talk. They didn't have phones and cell phones and couldn't text, but Aunt Susie would tell Uncle Bobby, and Uncle Bobby would tell Henry, and Henry would tell Joe, and the word got out. And it says that these four men grabbed their friend, and they went to take their paralyzed friend, their, their, their friend who had, could not walk. 
he's laying there on, on his bed on his mat, and they, and they took him to go see Jesus. Now, I want you to think about human nature. I want you to think about relationship for a second. And, and think about exactly what was going on here. I don't know the depth of relationship that these men had with each other, but I do know this. It was deep. It was deep. There was some love going on. And talk about reckless love. Talk about reckless love. I don't know what it would take for you to get three more friends and carry me on a bed to see the man of God. It, t t for, for if I was sick laying in bed, I, I think I would be hard-pressed to find four of my crazy friends to carry me to church. Think about that. Just the fact that they said, hey, we're, we're going to make sure we love you so much that we're, we're, I'm willing to grab a corner, and I got three of your other crazy friends, and they're going to grab a corner, and we're going to take you to see Jesus. See, it, at this point, they don't, if you look at the scriptures and the context of what's going on here, they're not even sure who Jesus is. All they know is he's healing. All they know is that miracles are happening. Half of them think, most of the people think he's just a prophet. He, he's doing miracles. He's, he's walking around healing folks. So he must be from God. But, but who is he? This prophet is coming. And he, all we know is that he's, he's teaching and then he's healing folks. So we got to get him there. They didn't even recognize him yet as the Messiah. Heck, even most of his own disciples were still kind of wrestling with that idea that he is the Messiah. And, and, and so think about the relationship Think about, put yourself in their shoes. Put yourself, first of all, on that mat and ask yourself, who are my four friends that would carry me? Do I have them in my life? Are they, are they somewhere? Identify them. And then identify yourself with four other people that you would be willing to pick up a corner and do something radical. Do something that, that, that's going to cause a scene. Something that people are going to talk about. Ask yourself, who is in my circle? See, it matters who you surround yourself with. I'm going to say it again. It matters who you surround yourself with. There were, these were five brothers, buddies, friends. And I think one of the closest things that we could articulate this with is, 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 some concept or understanding of the military. Now, I know some of you have been in the military, uh, and, and I'm partial to the Marine Corps because I got, like, some buddies that some, some of my, you talk about four friends, right? I wasn't in the Marine Corps, but uh, I have my dearest friends, some, a couple of them that were. And I know that if I call them in the middle of the night with anything, right, anything, I know, one, they're going to pick up the phone, and two, they're going to step into action, right? So I'm partial to that, but it doesn't matter. It could be uh, any, uh, any branch of the military service. But I know this, that one of the things, and if you were in the military, you can attest to this, one of the things that they teach you, that they ingrain in you, is it's not just about you. 
It's about your brothers around you. Right? And I, I'll say sisters too because there's women in the military. Am I right? Right? Justin, am I right? Fire team brother, right? That's one of the first things they do is, is they, 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 they create this. That it's, that it's not just about you. It's about, it's about your brothers and sisters around you, right? And creating that. That, that. That's so beautiful because that is what we're talking about. Who's in your circle? So think about this. One of them was an invalid, this paraplegic, paralyzed, laying on a mat. And in, but in his condition, he still fostered relationship. Now, we're pulling this out of Scripture. This is a real story. It, real, it really happened. But listen, if you're an invalid and you're paralyzed, sometimes you can be the most negative person on the world in that condition, and nobody would really blame you. Am I right? No one, but but and, 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 and here's the thing. You might get one or two people that love you and that will stick by you. Maybe your maybe your family. I don't know. And so you feel obligated that because you're you recognize, man, my brother's in misery, and and, and he can't he can't take care of himself. So so I'm going to stick by him. But there's probably only one or two people that you could probably do that with. Listen, this guy had to foster relationship even as an invalid. You know why? Because as a person that's not paraplegic, it's hard to find four friends that'll do pretty much anything for me. I'm going to say it again. In your condition right now, with just how you are right now, it's hard to find four friends. Am I right? Can I get an amen? So this man had to have some relationship skills. He couldn't be just a Debbie Downer, right? He couldn't just be like, woe is me, woe is me, just take me over here and drop me off at the gate of the temple and leave me here all day while I beg for alms while i beg for money right no he fostered relationship and he had four buddies that loved him recklessly that were willing to do and go the extra mile for him this is powerful we read these scriptures and, and we read these stories and, and and we we miss some of the depth of what the story is saying listen who is in your circle who do you care enough about who do you surround yourself with? Who do you Who do you No, who who are you willing to risk everything for? Who are you willing to risk looking silly? This man fostered relationship. He had four amazing friends. They cared for him and they loved him let me ask you something what if that day one of them decided to stay home what if that day they were having a bad day and one of them decided to stay home i would say that this story that we just read about wouldn't have happened because that would have left only three of them to carry him so that would have left one corner so one of them would have had to get, grab one end while the other two grabbed the other end. They wouldn't have been as fast. They wouldn't have got to Jesus. And maybe they wouldn't have done what they did that we'll read about in a minute. Right? There's some things that would have changed the dynamics. If one of them had missed out that day, if one of them hadn't been home when the other one came and said, hey, we're going to take Charlie to see Jesus. And they knocked on the door. And you didn't answer. Right? If one of them 
had not been there, I think the story would have ended differently. What if one of them decided to stay home? Three of them would have had to carry their friend, and we might not have read about the outcome that we do in Scripture. They might have been too late. Another question, what if the man didn't want the humiliation of having his friends lug him around that day? What if he said, no, I'm not worth the trouble, guys. No, I know you love me, and you want me to, you, to, to see this prophet, this, this man that's doing miracles. But guys, listen, it's going to be hard. Because I'm laying here, uh, um, I probably weigh more than I should because, you know, I'm eating and I, and I can't move around and burn calories, so I, 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 I'm over 200 pounds. And I should be 160. So don't worry about carrying me. Coming up with all kinds of excuses. Why? And the humiliation of being lugged around by your four friends and having people see you. How many can put yourself in that situation and say, yeah, I'd think twice about that. I'd think twice about having my friends carrying me around. I would try to talk them out of it. If he would have done that and if they would have listened, he would have missed his miracle. Let me say that again. If he would have done that out of humiliation and said, no, I don't want to be humiliated that way. That's just too much. It's outside of my comfort zone. He would have missed out on his miracle. Sometimes you got to let those that you've let into your circle have their way. Sometimes you got to say yes and just go with it because you're with four crazy friends. I want you to think about all the factors that went into this scene. They show up and the crowds are big and they can't get in. They are on a mission. I wrote here in my notes that no doubt, and we see from Scripture as we read this story in, in the other Gospels, Matthew 9 and Luke 5, I believe, or this story is recounted. I love this passage in mark 2 though because i really think it he gives a little more in-depth to the scene but i wrote in my notes that no doubt what we see in scripture that that just based on how jesus addressed them that these were young men they were they were they might have even been teenagers who knows but i put in my notes that they were no doubt millennials because millennials are the only ones that would really think like this we would be willing to, to kind of risk. And I, and I love millennials. I, I, I love that my, we have a church full of millennials. I, I, I love, where's Tony? He's not even here to hear it. Oh, there he is. There he is. There he is. Pastor Tony, he's going to love me. For, I'm going to get a big hug from him afterwards saying, oh, you really do love us, millennials. They're optimistic. They're full of risk and not afraid to upset the scene. They're, they're, they're willing to risk to step on some toes. Right? They're willing to, to, to do something that not everybody else is doing. It matters who you have in your circle. It matters who you have in your circle. So here comes all five of these guys. One on the mat. And then one of the other four on each corner. And they're saying, we got you, bro. But man, the crowds are big and the door's blocked. We can't, we can't even get in to see this guy. And, and that's where I'm sure that, let me just pick some, let, Josh, 
Josh is on the mat. And his buddies are carrying him. And, and they get there and they say, oh, we can't get through. And Josh is saying, guys, it was a good idea. But just set me down. Set me down over here in the corner. Don't, I, I don't want to upset people. right? I, I, we're making a scene. And they said, oh, no, Josh. We're going to find a way. We're going to find a way to get you your miracle. We're going to find a way. We're not giving up so easily. Heck no. And so as they look around, they, they look up. They look up. Hallelujah. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. One of them, as they were trying to get through this crowd and realizing that they couldn't get through, one of them looked up. One of them looked up and said, hey, I see a way. Now think about this. There's, five, there's four of them carrying one. I don't know how they got on the roof. Josh, if you're laying on the mat, you're probably protesting at this point. Guys, you're going to get me about 10 feet off the ground, and one of you is going to slip, and then we're all going to come tumbling down, and you're going to fall on top of me. I can imagine some of the conversation or some of the thoughts that was going through Josh's mind. Guys, this is too crazy. This is, too, this is nuts. What are we going to do when we get up there? And one crazy friend, because every group has one that's a little more crazier than the rest. He says, well, when we get up there, we're going to dig a hole through the roof. What? We're going to dig a hole through the roof. Not just a little hole. We got to dig a hole big enough that's for Josh and his mat and that we could lower him down. Who brought a rope? Somebody had to bring a rope. I don't, these brothers came prepared. Or they found something close by a rope close by they found some resources think about this all it takes is for one of them to say this is too crazy i can't josh is too heavy we're carrying him around how are we gonna i can't lift up my end and and and, and then you you got to lift them up even right you can't tilt them josh goes sliding right off onto the ground then you really he really needs a miracle <laughs> think about this The crazy one says, we can get them on the roof and we can dig a hole through the roof and lower him down. Can you, th listen, so Jesus has been doing miracles. He's been, he's been traveling around doing miracles, right? The crowds are so big now that he comes back home and they show up at the house he's staying at. And so crowded that it's standing room only. You can't get in. Right? And it says in the scripture that Jesus was teaching the crowd. He was literally sharing the word of God with the crowd. Right? He was breaking it down. 
And in the middle of his message, is somebody on the roof? What is that noise? Can you imagine the noise and the distraction? And then you hear this banging and this, this, this God-awful noise. And, and then all of a sudden you see light and you see a little hole. And you, <laughs> what do you do? I'm sure at that point everything stopped. Whatever you were teaching, nobody's listening to you anymore because they're looking up at the ceiling wondering what is about to come through. And this hole just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And the next thing you know, here comes Josh being lowered right in front of him. <laughs> Do you, I, now, I've preached and had some distractions in my message. But I can tell you I've never had a distraction like that. I've never had someone dig a hole in a roof as I'm preaching and drop somebody, a paraplegic, down in front of me. You can imagine the noise and the distraction. And Jesus, listen to this, Jesus is forced. Forced is a good word. He's forced to address the situation. He doesn't have a choice. What are you going to do, pretend like it's not there? Pretend like the last 15 minutes there hasn't been someone digging a hole in the roof? He's forced to address the situation. Josh is just laying there looking up at him like, four crazy friends. I got four crazy friends. And they're standing on the roof looking down going, right? Jesus is forced to address the situation. He's in the middle of his message and he has to stop and address what is going on. And he has to act. See, if that happened in our church services today, no doubt most pastors would give that signal, the, the secret little signal that they have with the ushers, right? Like ushers, come take care of this problem. It's a distraction, right? Most, most church services, no doubt, might miss what was really going on. I don't know. Don't bring anybody and drop them through the roof on my, on my message. Just bring them up to the altar. We'll pray for them. Jesus, in verse 5, let's read verse 5. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. Jesus, seeing Josh's faith, Was it Josh's faith? Josh is laying there in front of me. I'm Jesus. And the scripture says, seeing Josh's faith. No. It says, seeing Jesus saw their faith. He sees Josh's faith, because this brother is crazy enough to let four friends lower him down after climbing up on a roof. And he sees their faith, for loving their friends so much to get him here. And it says, Jesus saw their faith. It matters who's in your circle. 
It matters. Jesus seeing their faith, not just Josh's faith, to be healed. He says, I see the faith of Josh's friends who want healing and are willing to step through a roof to get them here. They're willing to risk everything, humiliation. They're willing to press through the crowds. They're willing to say, excuse me, I got my friend here, and he needs a miracle, and we're going to go to Jesus and get it. Pardon me. They're willing to risk putting a hole in someone's roof. Can you imagine after the crowds disperse? And the guy that owns the house is like, Jesus there's a hole in my roof. Jesus said, Peter, get some disciples and go take care of that. Right? Go fix homie's roof. Jesus, seeing their faith, begins to act. You need to catch this this morning. There's a slide... If it's already, there, there it is. It matters who you surround yourself with. Verse 5, it says their faith, not just the faith of Josh laying there. He saw their faith and he acted. It moved him. Faith always, say always. Faith always, 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 always moves God. Always. Get that in your spirit this morning, that faith always moves God. And guess what? The message here this morning is it's not just about your faith, because if you just got a little bit, then surround yourself with some crazy friends that they could put their faith with your faith, and Jesus will act on that. And Jesus will act on that. See, it's not just dependent upon you. It's not just dependent. You, Jesus, in this, in this illustrated story, he, he said, I don't recognize just Josh's faith. I recognize he's got four crazy friends standing down, looking through a hole that they just made in somebody's roof, looking at me smiling, saying, we got our friend to the miracle worker. And now I'm going to act. It has to be bigger than just you. I just jumped ahead. Three keys. Three key things that make a great circle. I'm going to give you these three as I end right here. Three key things that make a great circle. Number one, it has to be bigger than just you. You are not designed. Point to yourself. You, that's you. You are not designed to do it alone. You're not. I don't care how much of a lone wolf you've become. I don't care how much that you say, I don't need anybody. I got this. Just me and Jesus. No, you were not designed to do it alone. You weren't. You were made and created for a relationship. It has to be bigger than just you. You're going to have to build relationships, even though people will let you down. You will get hurt. They might not understand you at times. You might hurt them. But you have to build relationship. It's not just about you. You were not created to do it alone. You're going to have to build relationships in your life that are rock solid. Which means you're going to have to be vulnerable with people. With men and women that will surround you. And that you can surround them and say, hey, we're building something here. That when 
the you-know-what hits the fan, I got your back and you got mine. And you put your faith with my faith and it's going to cause God to move on our behalf. See, I really believe this, that at that moment when Josh was laying there and, and he gets his miracle, his four friends in their hearts were saying, one day that's going to be me, Josh, laying there. One of these days, I, I, I'm willing to be there for you today and put my faith with yours, but one day I'm going to need your faith to put with mine because I'm going to need the miracle. Thank you, Jesus. Men and women full of faith. Willing to look silly. And who will carry you in your time of need. So when it's their time of need, you can help carry them. Number two, make sure that there are some risk takers in your crew. Make sure that one of your circle of friends is a little crazy. Don't be too safe. Well, pastor, you don't know. He's like, man, he's a little too crazy. Is he willing? Is he willing or she willing to get uncomfortable and do the uncomfortable? Is he or she willing? That's all you need to know. Listen, it's fun when you have crazy friends. It's fun. Who wants to stay on the sidelines and keep it safe? If you really need a miracle, who wants to have a bunch of friends that's going to sit around and, well, let's just sing Kumbaya and, and praise the Lord. No, I, I, I want some folks that are going to say, no, man, we got you. We got you. You need a miracle. And you know what? Even if God doesn't show up, we're going to do something crazy, and we're going to put our faith with yours, and we're going to see what happens. I want some crazy friends in my, in my life, some risk takers in my crew. Don't just surround yourself with nice, safe, powerless church folk. I said that. Don't just surround yourself with those, those brothers that like to come and, 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 and just put up a front on Sundays. Surround yourself with some crazy folks that sometimes they don't get it right. But man, I'm in it with them. I'm in it with them some risk takers find some folks in your circle that got some grit some determination that just don't take no at the first roadblock some folks that are willing to ruffle some feathers some some folks that are willing to tear a hole in a roof big enough for your big old butt to be lowered down to get your miracle hallelujah Number three, realize, listen, realize that there will always be haters in the room. I'm going to say it again. Realize that there will always be haters in the room. Always. They're always there. Those are not the ones you want on your team, by the way. The one, the, those folks that always tell you that you can't do it. Yeah, that's who I want in my circle. Somebody's going to tell me all the ways that it's not going to happen. You know that guy that gives you the stats? Well, you have a 1.3% chance of this ever working out. Don't surround yourself with folks like that. There are always 
haters in the room. Mark chapter 2, verse 6 through 12. We're going to read the, this passage as we end this thing and land this plane. In verse 5, it says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Josh, my man, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to my man Josh over here, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. And Jesus turned to Josh and he said, Stand up, young man, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. Listen, there will always be haters up in the room you know what they got there early think about this. this is a standing room only the haters showed up early they got the good seats it says that, that listen to think about this scene the haters had the best seat in the house probably sitting there like this and the holes being cut in the roof they had the best they Hey, listen, they had the best seats in the house. They were sitting when there was no room. They couldn't, Josh's friends couldn't even get in because it's standing room only. These haters been in the house from the very beginning. They showed up early, picked out their seats. They had the best view. Here they are sitting in front of Jesus. He's teaching the whole, they probably had to move their feet as Josh was being lowered to the ground. And all that they can think of is blasphemy. You can't do this. You're not worthy of a miracle. Who is this man to forgive Josh's sins? Who is this man? Who does he think he is? There will always be haters in the room. And they have the best seats. They'll always tell you it can't be done or you're doing it wrong. You always have opposition from these folks. People that who don't care about you, your condition, or whether you get a miracle or not. They're going to complain about the disruption. Well, we were here just, we just wanted to hear what he had to say, and you had to go and cut a hole in the roof and drop this, this guy down. You disrupted my whole morning. I'm here, I'm here to... To, 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 to call this man out and I can't because you, you, you interrupted it with a miracle you interrupted my plan with a miracle they're going to complain that you're not doing it right they're going to complain that you don't deserve it they're going to complain about your crazy friends and you're not worthy and they're not worthy And most times they're going to be waiting for you. They're going to show up before you early to get the good seats.
They are your biggest enemies. It matters who is in your circle. It matters who you surround yourself with. It matters. It's life and death. It literally can be the difference between Josh living or dying. He picked, he was radical enough to pick four friends. He was radical enough to, to get outside of his condition and himself and say, I need people around me. I'm not just going to lay up here and beg every day for the crumbs. No, I'm going to invest myself in four men that will see something in me because I see something in them that I'm willing to risk and be transparent with them and say, guys, I really hurt today. I'm laying here and I can't move, but I'm, I'm really hurting. But listen, I just want to thank God that you're in my life, that you're willing to risk everything for me because I'm willing to risk everything for you. What I have, what I can, I'm willing to risk. I'm willing to get outside of myself and invest in relationship with you, to be vulnerable with you, so that you can be vulnerable with me. Listen, my miracle may depend on you. My miracle may depend on you. Some days, listen, some days your faith alone isn't going to cut it. Your faith alone some days isn't going to pull you off that mat. Your faith alone isn't going to get it done for you some days. It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to depend on who you put in your circle. Jesus. Hallelujah. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Jesus, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you for what you've done. Jesus, we thank you for your heart. We thank you for illustrating stories like this, real stories that happened when you walked on this earth and the principles that are in this story that sometimes we miss. The scene that was created here in Mark chapter 2. Lord, I thank you for men and women in my circle. And we don't always get it right with each other, Lord. But you've chosen them for me and I've reached a point where I trust them and they trust me. And I got their back because I know they got mine. No matter what happens, Lord, that they'll put their faith with mine on the days where my faith alone just won't cut it. And Lord, you honor that. And sometimes my miracle depends on our faith together. Thank you for radical, crazy, risk-taking, won't-take-no-for-an-answer friends. Thank you for a church, Lord, that's purposeful about who we put in leadership. Lord, because every one of them in leadership of this church are risk takers. They're willing to step out in faith. I recognize that on every one of our leaders here at this church. For our dream team, Lord. For those 
who are partners here. Lord, I recognize that we have a church full of risk takers. People that are hungry and willing to say, I don't always get it right, Pastor, but ride or die, I'm with you. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to us this morning? Speak to every heart here. May this message just resonate with us as we leave here today. As we go throughout our week, this week, may this just resonate in our spirit. May we begin, if we don't have that circle of friends, a circle of crazy, radical, full of faith friends, Lord, I pray for every heart in here that they would begin to surround themselves with those kind of people. That you would supernaturally bring them into their lives. God encounters divine appointments with folks that they can bring into their circle. Our miracle depends on it. Their miracle depends on it. And I pray these things in Jesus' name, the matchless name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah.